Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we are talking all things real estate. I'm your host, Michael Thayer, with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. In the studio today, we have Mr. GQ, the closer, Chris Corbeau from Midtown Title. Hey, good morning, Michael. Dude, man. Look at just. It's Saturday, man. You never know. I'm stuck. ready. To, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, I wouldn't go that far, uh, <laughs> but I'm ready to go. And uh, looking ready, forward man. to the looking forward to the show. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm outstanding, man. I'm ready to fire it up. I'm ready for the spring weather to get here full time. Get rid of all this crazy rain and everything else we've been having the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I was in uh, Florida a couple of days ago, and yeah. it was sunshiny, mid 80s, low humidity, and. It was pretty. It was pretty hard coming home and stepping off that plane and it being fifty degrees outside. And I'm in a pair of shorts and people are looking at me like I'm an idiot. And I'm yeah. going, well, being an idiot is coming back to the cold weather. I should have stayed a few more days. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. Glad Absolutely, to be here, man. And then we have Mr. David Lukey from Capital Homes, man. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. This new time, this new time. Yes. That we have. Yes. It's great, isn't it? it, it well, it is nice. I, <laughs> I, I still don't manage to look as good as you <laughs> Saturday morning, shaved, and I don't shave. I don't know what my problem is. But I, I, I you know, I've got to be at that sales center in Delvin Downs yes. at noon. It's tough. It's a uh, man pedal to the metal, man. It's like holy cow. I'm just heck. I'm gonna be late. You always make it happen, though. I get there. You know, it's nice. That's what you need, an excuse to drive fast. That, that's, yeah. That's you need true. me to run some uh, diversionary for you down 65? That would be great. <laughs> Could you do that for me? Smokey and a bandit. That, that way, yes. That way you can get down there quickly. You know, the nice thing is I actually go straight down Nolensville from pretty much I hop Nolensville and just go straight down. Really? Yeah, because, you know, Saturday, it's not that hard. The stoplights versus just straight on the interstate? Like, catch all the greens. Yeah. Now, he is in the model home there. You could bring your uh, your toiletry equipment there and yeah. get cleaned up in the model home yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could do that. that thing's nicely but furnished. My, model, my model's not done yet. Well, well, that's I'm true. I'm in the trailer I'm for another, well, probably another month. Yeah, yeah, the old model home over at the... Yeah, yeah. That was down in Summerfield. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it sold out. Long yeah, time that was ago. gone. Yeah, but our new model's going to be ready soon, probably about... Um, about the time it sells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> so we got the other section coming. I just got the engineering back in the next section. So we're looking forward to probably starting sales in there sometime in July or August. And where is Delvin Downs again? It's uh, right behind uh, Lennox Village off of Nolensville Road. Kind of behind Sugar Valley. Yeah. Just go straight down Nolensville Road before you get to Burkett Road, if you know where that's at. Okay. And make the left-hand turn on Sugar Valley Drive and you dead end into Sunnywood. Make a right and then follow the signs. And we're right there. And if someone hasn't been there in a while, in that whole Nolensville area, I mean, it's just oh, it's boomed. crazy. It's, it's tons it's, of stuff it, down there. It, it's it's not cra- it's you know it's busy, but now that Concord's construction is pretty much complete, yeah. the traffic has really gotten better because you can get over to sixty five on Concord really easy, and you know everything that you need is right there. The only thing that they don't have right there is a movie theater. A hundred oaks is not that far. Cool Springs isn't that far. But if you want looking for restaurants, or any kind of restaurant, it's there. Right. You've got it all there. And uh, I'm telling you, it's the best value in town uh, for for what David does. That the 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 amenities that come in these houses. I mean, they are decked out, man. It is super super nice stuff. And. And it shows because he sells sells them all. Them. I know before he can even get get mm-hmm. get the first piece of dirt turned over yeah. on them, right. and uh, to do it. So it's done really really well. But these guys work really hard to do it, put a good product out, and their clients always always love their clients because they're the happiest clients I see. I see. Mm-hmm. 
So well, thank you. I, you know, and, and it's nice because we got a good team. You know, with Mike doing the loans and you doing the closings, it's really easy to keep everybody happy. But you know, going back to the community, I see so many people walking either with their kids or their dog down to the park, taking the sidewalks the whole way down because the sidewalks are in and done. Yeah. And actually, we're in the process of putting our overhead lights in too. And so it's just really coming together nice. It's just really beautiful back there. And, and the views are incredible. It's, it's nice. It does have an outstanding view. Yeah. Those are yeah. some great views. So, but you know, it's, it, some days it's, it's funny because you, you come into the neighborhood and it's, there's a truck or there's something parked everywhere. <laughs> uh, and it's just guys working nonstop. And, Signs of improvement. And there's lots of craziness going on. Jimmy, you were asking me about that before, weren't you? I was. I was curious. Do you ever get like nails or screws in your tires? You know, what? you know, it's funny because you would think that I would get one, you know, like every six months. And as long as I've been doing this for 25 years, you better I, knock on some wood. I will. I will get three in the space of about three weeks and none for three years. So everybody else in the world with bad luck. Yeah, yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I have gone, I think, the. I, you know, if I had to kind of estimate, I think the longest I've gone is like eight years without wow. a single nail or a screw. Do you visit the job sites? I am there every yeah, there. day. And and other times, I will pick up one once a week I've, when in I, the same tire. When I delivered pizza, I see new construction or, or apartment yeah. complex or, you know, being remodeled. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to pick up a nail or a screw before the week's out. You know? yeah. Do you put, like, those uh, dolly cartwheels on your vehicle, like the, like the solid ones? Solid, so, yeah. solid ones that, <laughs> that, that you, wobble when you move? No. How about the one? They made tires a few years ago that would, like, you could drive on them when they were flat. They yes. still do. Yeah, they yeah, have that flat yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what you should get, Dave. I, I, you know, I, I get so few. And usually the nice thing about them is when you get a nail – on a construction site, it's clean in the tread, and so you can plug it, whereas it doesn't tear the sidewall. Yeah. Um, the last time I got a flat tire actually was not from a nail or a screw. It was from me curbing it. Yeah, curbing mm-hmm. it. Not quite not, not quite making it short of the curb and sidewall, and sidewall the whole thing off. And yeah. just, yeah, shoot. That's a new to, tire. I had to put the daggone spare on and everything because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, well. The other nice thing is, too, Jimmy, there's always, there's always a compressor on site. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So that's a good, that's good. So, good idea. There you, know, you go. Just, psh, feel like I, you know, I even actually have a, a, a fix a flat a valve. No, I've got a valve in my car all the time. So even if somebody has a compressor but doesn't have a valve, I can pump it up real fast. Hey, my employee, my assistant's got a new car, and I'm not going to name the brand of it, but they don't even put spare tires in it anymore. They put a little pump thing in there where you could pump the, the run yeah. flat and stuff in it. Yeah. But like she ha- hit, she punctured the sidewall the other day, and it was flat. And I'm going, I I called helped her call her dealership, yeah. and I went. Well, what do you do? <laughs> and uh, I don't have no spare tire in it. And they said, well, we got roadside assistance. We'll send it out there. I went, what are they going to do, bring a tire? And they basically kept it for three days just to fix the tire. Oh, wow. You and, uh, yeah, no spare tire in this thing. It comes with a, with a with basically, basically a run flat pump in the back of it. Oh, heck no. No. Wow. I'm not sitting there waiting three days for a tire. Hey, we got to jump out to a break, and then we're going to get into this show, man. We're going to talk about $321 billion. $321 billion. Check us out on the other side of this break to find out what we're going to be talking about. But listen to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLSC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike show. We talk all things real estate. 
And now we're going to talk about $321 billion. That's your salary? I wish, man. $321 billion since 2008. How many baseball cards? Any guesses? <laughs> What'd you say? How many baseball cards I have? The that might of, be very true. The number <laughs> of donuts I've eaten. <laughs> Bill Gates' net worth. Uh, no. What, what was it again? $328 billion since 2008. The amount of equity made in homes for homeowners. Okay, we're dying. What's the I'm answer? Say, yeah. you, may, you made me start thinking about that. That is the amount that the world's biggest banks have paid to the governments for the financial crisis. They have been fined $321 billion since 2008. For just bad practices? Yeah. You could call it that, I guess you could say. So they pay it to the government. Is that what you said? They pay it to the government, yes. Where does that money go? That's just, that's next week's show. We're not going to jump ahead, but that will surprise you on where that goes. It, it doesn't go it, to me. It doesn't go to where you, you think it should go. That's the sad thing. But, yeah, you, there's a couple of different reports done, but uh, the Boss Consulting Group uh, put out a big report that goes into everything. It talks about the whole breakdown, where the money goes, the whole nine yards. But it's $321 billion, and I got— I got, you know, I was interested in this because you hear about one after another after another, and unfortunately, here lately, Wells has been in the news, and it's about a thousand bucks for every person in this country. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of money. Very few of it, less than a thousand bucks, goes back. To the so the Consumer do. Financial Protection Bureau. Bureau is the one who regulates this. I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so they are this conglomerate formed by the Obama administration to oversee. The financial industry, not just loans, mortgages, but car, all types of all financial. Of part of Dodd Frank. Yes. Part of the Dodd Frank Act, and they oversee all types of financial loans, regulatory, with, regulatory information between car loans, credit cards, and uh, more home mortgages, and what else? Financial. Uh, well, any kind of loan loans. They're, they're also looking at systemic risk and stuff like that. Yeah. So I know that they initially started out targeting the credit card industry, mm-hmm. and they went hot and heavy after the credit card industry. Some of the practices that they had and changed a lot of that. They went on to the mortgage industry, which was our big change last year as far as regulatory matters go at that point point in time. And from my understanding, now is now that they've got the rules in place, they've kind of played it. Now they're looking at enforcement. That they're they're converting their role to more enforcement at this point in time. Is that what the article talks about? That's pretty much the article in itself. And then it's just talking about what they have they have enforced thus far, which also brings us to current where you're hearing now in the news where the Trump Associ- uh, Association, the Trump administration is talking about relaxing some of the rules. And I think a lot of people are misinterpreting what that really means. It's not that they're going to relax the underwriting rules per se, not not like they used to be before the crisis, but all of these regulatory issues for finding lenders for something that's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. You know, and Warren Buffett went on to make a statement. He goes, if a cop follows you for 500 miles, you're going to get a ticket. That's how Warren Buffett described the legal troubles facing J.P. Morgan Chase. Not in Smokey and the Bandit. Well, no, he got away <laughs> with it there. But, man, think about it. If the CFPB is sitting here just stalking you over and over and over and they're looking for something and they're constantly watching you every day, they're going to eventually find something. Just as if a cop was following you for 500 miles, they're going to eventually pull you over for something. So the point, the point being is a lot of people, they say, man, getting a mortgage is so difficult and I can't get one from my, my bank. My bank won't approve me. 
Well, part of the reason why your regular street corner bank won't approve you is because they're tired of getting their hands slapped. You know, they they some banks are just completely getting out of lending, which is exactly the opposite of what they they really want to have happen. The the lending programs are out there. There is liquidity. There's not any kind of issue like that. Obviously, with the housing boom and the the housing market going on like it is, there's not a restriction in lending by any means. But yet, sometimes you get some of this current news, especially with the Trump administration coming in and just people just not understanding really what's going on and what's really happening. So when people say, hey, we're going to release, not release, but we're going to loosen up the guidelines and restrictions, we're not talking about going back to stated income, stated assets where you didn't have to prove income or anything like that and get a loan. It's just backing off some of these restrictions that make it harder to do business. Yeah, some of these I'm reading, Aquin Financial, they were sued, um, CFPB fined them uh, for fa- uh, failing borrowers at every stage of the mortgage servicing process. Uh, Waltman, Weinberg, and Reese, they were a collection firm. Uh, they f- they uh, falsely represented millions of collection letters sent to customers that they were attorneys involved in debt collecting. Experian Holdings, same thing, deceiving customers about use of credit scores it sold to consumers. I mean, these are just all... Uh, Nation Star Mortgage, flawed mortgage loan reporting. That's one of my favorite people. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you can just go through and see the list of people see, in the here. The problem is, go back to Nation Star real quick. And I, I understand what you're saying, Mike. You yep. know, the, the, some of the some of the enforcements are crazy. What was Nation Star's thing? Uh, n- flawed mortgage loan reporting. That's right. And they've, ac- I have <gasps> Ooh, actually yeah. two loans with them. And see, the problem is, part of the problem is this. So I'm going to take the counterpoint to what you're saying, because I agree with and understand what you're saying. The problem is we talk about the free market mm-hmm. and how the free market can solve problems, Correct. right? So I go to Waterstone and I get a loan mm-hmm. for an investment property. How long does Waterstone hold that loan? Time to tell, man. I mean, typically a week, two weeks. We've held loans for years and then we'll hold them for 10 days. Okay. I mean, sometimes they're sold before they close, right? No, we don't. We don't always sell them. I mean, we fund our own loans, mm-hmm. but if they are going to package them and sell them, they're going to package them and sell them. Okay. So, what input do I get on who gets to buy my loan? You don't. Okay. Zero. So, if Nation Star buys another loan that I have, and I don't want to do business with Nation Star because they literally—I mean, the issue is—and this is what I'm, something I'm dealing with right now—and I'm I'm calling Nation Star out on the radio. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> I have an account with them where they're telling me that I am late, that I'm four months late. And that I have, my payment, by the way, is $700. And I have $10,000 of overpayment in suspense. But okay, let me like, get this right. I'm $700, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm seven times five, I'm, I'm $3,500 late, but I've overpaid you $10,000 at exactly the same time. Yes. That's what they say. <laughs> yes. And trying to get anybody accountable for stuff is difficult. I mean, it we is. We deal with mortgage companies it all is. the time. and. And uh, to do that, we're just the service, sir. Well, that's just it. I was just about to say what a lot of people don't realize is when we close a loan at Waterstone, and this is the same for Bank of America, Wells, it's the same. Every lender, we are lenders, we lend, we're not accounts receivable. So basically, there is an accounting firm that does nothing but receive people's mortgage payments, credit card payments, and whatever. And basically processes that stuff. We, as the lender, do not take care of that. So then when someone calls in like you did and they say, well, we're just a servicer, that's basically them saying, hey, we can't do nothing. We can't do it, which is 
crap. Yeah, I mean, it really I mean, is it, 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 it's really crazy. You ask them a question, they say, we'll have the research department look into that and get back to you. And they never do, by the way. No. And th- that's the part of the CFPB that I think absolutely needs to have more teeth. Because stuff like that, I mean, like credit. I have seen people get reported late for $5 co-pays on a medical thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's the and, only thing negative on their credit is a five dollar copay. They're report they're reporting me late on that other loan right now. Well, part of the CFPB, I mean, some of the stuff needs they need enforcement action on. You know, when I read most of these uh, activities that are being done, most of it's deceptive marketing, debt collection, and and you know, the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is a is a pain to deal with regulatory matters. Um, I think there's some good intentions for our, for our customers in there, which I think if, if it's good for the customer, we should do it. But I just don't know how you as an individual can enforce against a, a large mortgage company, such as the one that you mentioned that I'm not going to say the name about, uh, to do it. Because <laughs> it's, it's a daunting task to think that I'm up against this company who doesn't care, and they, you're basically guilty until proven innocent. I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars on a lawyer trying to get it sorted out. Yeah. And I'm not going to have any recourse. What am I going to say? Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk a little bit more about things you're hearing in the news today, about the CFPB and rules that you need to know about, how they can help you and also negatively impact you. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are talking to the Money Man here on the Money Man Mike Show. Michael Thayer. We are talking regulations. I think the real money men are two dudes named Dodd and Frank. Oh my God! You either love them or you hate them. You know it. it, it yes, sounds like a law firm. The Dodd, probably the, yes, Dodd, sir. Frank, and Thayer, and they're in the they're in the part. suite right next to We Cheat Him and How. David. All right, so we're going to back up a little bit and explain to you guys. We've been talking CFPB, Consumer Consumer Protection Financial Bureau, but where? did that come from? And what is Dodd-Frank or Frank Dodd? Everyone wants to say it different ways. But yeah, ha- yeah so uh, it's not a law firm. Nope, kind of sounds no. that way. Um, it's not the We Cheat Him and How, or David said here, because he's got his <laughs> filter on today. And um, it's actually uh, the Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act that went into effect July 1st, 2010. So after the crash of the uh, the economy or the Great Recession or whatever financial people want, collapse. financial collapse, the Obama administration set forth rules and regulations uh, that were aimed to help consumers uh, better, better protect consumers who are borrowing money in any facet, whether that be by credit card, auto loan, mortgage Anyhow. loan, any type of loan, and to make lenders and mortgage companies responsible if they were preying on folks uh, to lend us money, whether that's deceptive marketing practices. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it also to protect the system? There's some system, systemic yes. protections as well, too big to fail, things, you know, all, all that stuff. Well, yeah, it, so it, the act was to promote the financial stability of the United States by improving accountability and transparency in the financial system to end too big to fail, to protect the American taxpayer from ending bailouts and to protect consumers from abusive financial services practices and for other purposes. And it's and it is interesting that for for a significant percentage, let's not say the majority, but for a significant percentage of people, they either land on all regulation is bad, yeah, or the banks are evil and need to be regulated. Yep. 
Well, it was the single most significant change in the financial regulation in the U.S. since the Great Depression. So the last time we had a major overhaul was because of a Great Depression, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the same things happened again at this point in time. You know, the system's clicking along, click, clicking along, clicking along, and then when something bad happens, it's a instead of being proactive, it's a reactive measure at that point in time. So you want to hear something scary? Yes. I hate to scare people. But, but our modern financial system started to kick in right around 1840, where stocks and so forth because of the railroads, and really, really picked up steam after the Civil War, after about 1880. So from 1880 to 1920, and 1929 specifically with the crash, the federal government tried over and over again different ways of regulating the financial markets, right. the banking system. Yep. They, they tried and failed for 50 years. Yep. Okay. And then- Eventually, what they came out of in the 30s and the 40s with the Roosevelt administration and then administrations after that is something that worked for almost 100 years. Preach it, Brother David. Preach. Are we in for another 50 years of them trying to figure out how to deal with the global financial situation? Time will tell. I sure hope not. I sure hope that they can learn faster than that because it was it, it was bad from from about 1880 to about... Uh, uh, 1930. People like to think that it was just one big crash, but it was actually a crash, right. a full-on financial meltdown about every four to eight years, yeah. or 50 years. So, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, so the, so the CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has a director. Ron Cordaday is his name, mm -hmm. and he was appointed by the president. And this guy basically has no bosses. None. Zero bosses. He's he not accountable. He cannot. To he's not accountable to anybody. He can't be fired by anybody. Nope. And he has unlimited authority to act as he sees fit in this industry. Now, there's a current case that's going on between yes. the CFPB and PHH Mortgage, Correct. where the CFPB has fined PHH for some what they consider deceptive practices. Yep. Uh, CFP uh, PHH decided that they were tired of, tired of this, being told what to do, and they countersued the CFPB. The first person, first company, first one to stand up to stand up and yeah. say this is wrong, and uh, and they won. They yes. actually won their yes. case against them, um, and then the CFPB won on an appeal. Uh, Interesting. But they won on they won on appeal, so they did, nobody thought PHH had a chance in court against them, and they did beat them. Well, hold on. The appeal. This is this is where the unilateral power of, of Richard Corduroy, who is the who's the director of CFPB, is flawed, and why there's the push to go to the five person panel is he is the the uh, the the the. The jury, the the executioner, judge and jury, jury and executioner. Yeah, he did it all. So he convicted PHH of it. They appealed it. He said nope, and then he increased their fine by millions of dollars. Now, in the current situation, the federal government has gone in and actually backs PHH and does not pack back Corduroy with the CFPB, which is unheard of. Yeah. So I mean, the rules are all flawed, but the the issue, without getting way too deep off into the the weeds here is, you know, the CFPB. Hopefully JT will help us if we do. He'll yeah, JT, jump in there and tell us. We've been using a lot of letters without a lot of words. Yes. Turn on the air sirens, man, if we get too far out here. But no, the CFPB, we're not all, you know, death to the CFPB. There's a lot of things that they have brought to the industry that is great. It's improved industry a lot. But you go back to the Clinton administration, this isn't going to get into politics, but there was a directive to Congress. Increase home ownership. Yes. Period. So how do you increase home ownership? You loosen up the guidelines. We as lenders were told, hey, you don't need to verify income. You don't need to verify assets. Oh, they don't have a job? That's okay. Well, Make let, money. Let, let, let's let's back up a little bit. Okay. 
The individual loan officers were told that. Yes. The lending institutions were not. No, it was creative creative investments from Wall Street and programs and yes. the investors. It, 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 it. it was in part, and every now and then you'll hear somebody talk about it. And, and that's the thing that's really important for people who are trying to figure this stuff out to understand. It is incredibly complicated. It's not simple. It's really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. And it, it, going back to what I was talking about before, taking a few years to figure it out, people shouldn't be surprised. They should not expect instantaneous results with resolving all this because it's a whole different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. The way that things are done now is completely different than the way things were done just 40 years ago. And it's really, really complicated. But one of the issues that, and I love the idea of balancing our federal budget because I think our government ought to try to, when the economy is going well, like it is right now, ought to be balanced so that when the economy doesn't go well, we can go into debt to get us out of the ditch. Totally agree. agree. You know, I mean, I think that's great. The issue, one of the issues is, and one of the reasons that Bush Jr. took some heat one time for saying that deficit's not all bad, <laughs> is because if you take out that safe investment of treasuries, mm-hmm. people flood to the next safest investment they can think of, which in this at that time frame was real estate, right. real estate loans. Right. And there was so, because we had a, not a balanced budget, but a surplus budget, we were paying off $150, $150 billion a year yeah. Yeah. instead of, a, a, instead of putting out $150 billion of debt. So that's a $300 billion swing. Right. That money was looking for something to invest in, and it chose U.S. mortgages. Mm-hmm. And and so Which big houses- AAA rated, and everything was good with them at the at time. At the time, yeah. I mean, you know, Morgan Stanley and those guys- No sense to me, Jimmy. AAA rated. I mean, come on. AAA rated? If you're not investing, that might be a little bit deep. AAA, it's, that's where your car breaks down on the side of the road, right? Hey, I guess come you, pick me up. I guess you can get a loan there. Or get buy, buy mortgages there, too, Jim, yes, at the, the AAA the, the, rated. One of the rating agencies, Moody. Moody, yeah. And there's another one. What's the other one I can't remember? Uh, that's, anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. They rate bonds. Uh, AAA plus is U.S. debt. Uh, AAA minus is debt that's a little shakier. And, and, and the U.S. almost lost their AAA plus yeah, when they were, one time. Yeah. you know, uh, messing around with whether or not they're going to raise the debt ceiling around. So I got a really simple question. I'm actually asked this question all the time. Sure. Has the CFPB been good, or or Dodd Frank has it been good, or has it been bad? Overall, I would say it's been good. Okay, why? Just because I mean, just it, there's so many things that there is. I can say I can, I'm going to say one simple thing because I know that we've got to run here in a second. I think that the pre Closing disclosures yeah. are easier for a consumer to understand. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, the old um, HUD, yeah, and the, and what was the uh, um, good faith when, when, yeah, when they gave you the good faith and they had the ARP on there. Mm-hmm. You, you had your interest rate in the ARP, and I would spend twenty minutes ex- trying to explain to somebody the difference between the two. Well, they they still have that on the CD, but it's easier to understand. CD. Like a the closing, closing disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is over there like, CD, break that down, explain that. We don't know what CD is. No, Not the music I, CD. I, I listen to cassettes, man. What yeah, man. Eight track. I didn't know you can get your numbers on an eight track. <laughs> hey, we're going to jump out to this break real quick and come back. Jimmy, is this our last segment, man? No, it's not. We have one more. Heck, let's rock and roll. Let's do another one. Catch us back here in about a couple minutes. We're going to talk about your ability to replay and slaying some home myths. Been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WLIC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. And today, we've been talking regulatory CFPB stuff, which is just like, but yet, man, there's so much about it in the news right now. And a lot of people are like, what is the CFPB? Why do I need to care? You know, what is this? What is that? And so forth. So we're trying to shed a little light on it. But no, you know, the biggest thing that anyone listening, can do is if you've not watched the movie The Big Short. Yeah, Jimmy was asking, how did this happen? Go watch that movie, and as David said, watch it twice, maybe even watch it a third time to pick up on everything that's being said, done, and and just illustrated in the movie because it's so... Here's a summary right here. Read it. So the head fund manager, Michael Burry, he discovers that the United States housing market is extremely unstable, being based on high-risk subprime loans. Subprime loans were people who didn't have great credit, correct? And uh, but they were still getting loans. Yes, uh, they were high-risk loans. Anticipating that the market would collapse during the second quarter of 2007, as the interest rates on these types of loans, adjustable rate mortgages, uh, would adjust, and envi- he basically envisioned an opportunity to profit off these defaulting loans because when just like if you buy a foreclosure, you basically sometimes can get fifty cents on the dollar, ten cents on the yeah, dollar. He was he was buying uh, what's called a credit default swap, which is basically insurance against the loan. He was he was buying the insurance. Yeah, his plan was to create the yeah. credit yeah. default market, yeah. allowing him to bet against uh, mortgage-backed securities. That's how loans are done; they're backed off mortgage-backed yes. securities, um, and is. Um, he, his idea with several major investments and commercial banks were readily to accept because they're going, hey, I'll take that money. Mm-hmm. No big deal. The market, yeah. the market would never collapse. You know, there was, there was I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, Chris, but there was a, a couple of people that I know that I shouldn't say I know them. I know about them. They bought a home and never intended on making a single payment. Yeah. You know, they bought them. Absolutely. And they never intended on making a single payment. Yes. And they knew that they could drag the process out two yes. years. Yes. And never have to pay rent anymore yes. or make a payment. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm interrupted you. No, it's okay. No, I was just saying that basically he invested a billion dollars into this in yeah. his in his in his from a hedge fund that he had, and they were ready to to basically hang lynch this guy because mm-hmm. he invested all this money and it was losing money. But once yeah. the market collapsed, um, his fund increased four hundred and eighty nine percent. And had a profit of two hundred sixty-nine thousand. But basically, what it is is that it explains how people, det- a few people, detected that the market was going to collapse. And once the market collapsed, several people made a fortune off of it by betting against it uh, to do it. But it's a great movie. It's really deep. Probably have to watch it a couple times to go through it. But you know, a lot of times people will say, "Well, what happened? Why did the market collapse?" And there's not one answer. No. Uh, you know, there's probably ten answers. Uh, part of it is, like I said, people were getting loans. Not everybody can get a house or should have a house. And so, but at that time, people were getting loans. If you had a pulse, you could get a loan. Yes. There there was, um, you know, going back to how does this impact you and so forth, there was some builders that I knew around the country that would write 10 sales and nine of them, the house would be back on the market before they finished it. (laughs) Right. The person who wrote the Mm -hmm. contract would try to flip the contract. Flipping it. Yeah. They were flipping the contract. Yeah. They weren't even flipping the house. Yeah. Um, I have a clause in my sales agreement that says you can't do that without my permission mm-hmm. because I don't want to find myself holding the bag on 20 houses. And that and that's what happened to some of these guys. They, they thought they were so smart because they had their contract. And then when the people couldn't sell the house and had no prospect of selling the house because the market was turning hard, right. they just canceled. Right. And there's a builder holding it. 
and the builder had the house, and then the, the, the interest eventually would get on it. Yeah. Well, the reason that people would make the loans, you know, lenders would make loans, is because of profit. I mean, they would yeah. do these high-risk loans, but they would charge a, an enormous, large upfront fees in advance to do the loan. And that's let's say one good thing that's come out out of the CFPB. That stuff's gone away. Yes. Yeah, and and so, that, so that, that you know, what's in it for the consumer? The consumer now needs to know that the fees that lenders can charge is is well, very highly regulated. Yes. Now. Well, this reciprocates back to David's question about just this, this lender he was talking about earlier being a servicer. So these upfront lenders would make all these all this money up front and then they would assign the loan to a servicing company. So the guy made his money, he's gotten the guy would have no there'd be no recourse against this guy if he didn't if the loan failed to perform right. because he already got paid all his money his sales commission up front. He would assign it to an un, to an unknowing lender at that point in time, and people would get an interest rate that would be like a teaser rate. They'd yeah, get a yeah. really low teaser rate so that people could qualify. And then, you know, one year, two year, three years, if that rate went up even slightly, people's budget wouldn't allow for that. And as the market was kind of turning, people were losing jobs. There was um, there was a, a situation I know, and Michael can probably talk about this a little bit too, where, you know, there's a buyback period on yeah. loans. There used to be. It's Now you still have a buyback. You can make, they can force you to buy it back a loan. Who to buy it back? Um, lenders? lenders. Yeah. So, so if a lender makes a loan and it goes bad, the stop guy stops making payments short of a year is what the rule used to be. Then whoever they sold the loan to can make them buy it back. Okay. Okay. And so I, I know mm-hmm. people who would, when they found out someone was late, go knock on the door, get them to make payments, nurse that thing for 12 months, even if it meant making the payment for them, which was yep. not legal. Yep. Yep. Making the payment for them so that they wouldn't have to buy the loan back, and as soon as the year was up, just boop, be done. Yeah, yeah, so it sounds like corruption and greed all the way around yeah. is what kind of ca- caused all of that. And, you know, to start off, circle around again, so that's kind of where the Dodd-Frank Act and all this yeah. craziness we've been talking about came from was to try to put provisions in place that would stop these predatory practices and uh, for people and these lenders who were doing it for greed. No different than the Wells Fargo, right? They were yeah. opening up accounts in people's name, yeah. and they were fined a hundred and hundred over $100 million. Why? Because they had employees who were incentivized to open up accounts, and they were paid bonuses off yeah. that. So it's just another form of greed yes. uh, right yes. there. And that is one area that I think the pendulum probably has gone too far the other way, because I know now they're making people buy back loans not because they stopped performing, but because they happened to comb through every piece of paper in the file and found one piece of paper to object to. So yep. the person's making their payments. Yep. And and there's no indication that they won't make their payments. Nope. But because the one piece of paper has the wrong date on it. Yep. Or uh, says something uh, incorrect about whatever, you know, they're making the lenders buy the loans back. And so that that's yeah. that is where I wish that it was easier for the news. It's not. It's so hard. Here we've it's been trying to complex. talk about it. And we, and we are actually sitting here in between the breaks complaining about how detailed and in the weeds we are. And yet I, I wish there was a way for people to understand to stop bumper stickering this whole topic because it's it's important. Housing is a humongous. It's bigger than health insurance. Yes. It's global. It is bigger than health insurance. It's and so when global. we want to talk about housing, we've got to talk about it in detail. It, these things are more complicated than people understand. And and I, I feel bad for people who try to form a political opinion and vote based on what they're told from from the very short snippets that the media has to tell them about. And I wish that there was more time 
but I understand that they've got to make money too. And and yeah, what a lot of people don't realize is a lender today can get pay, can get penalized if somebody first payment defaults. Yes, regardless of what the reason is. Yes, we get penalized. Yes, if they miss their payments, like what yeah. you're talking about. Um, if you know, one pay- of the provisions I, that's in there that always scares me was the one that says this word called qualified mortgage. If if for some reason somebody can prove that you made a loan to somebody that really couldn't repay it, yeah, you know that you could you as a lender could get sued because yes. you give the some they consider it predatory lending that you gave somebody a loan that you felt they could not actually ever repay to do that. But I mean, I think that's discretionary even in that wording right there is you know. Uh, but I don't know. It, there is responsibility from the customer standpoint to where you know if you get a loan, you have to understand that you have to repay that loan. I mean. It's Somehow, some way, it's going to get repaid. Uh, so I don't know where 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 we go from there. I mean, there's there's got to be protection for the clients, but there's also got to be protection for an industry that affects everything: the Home Depots in the world, the the that. flooring people, the the mortgages or the banks. And I, I think mean, we need to s- start rejecting politicians that want to make it sound easy, that want to make it sound like they can solve all of our problems with one word answers. Because it's complicated. And I think both of the major party candidates were guilty of that this last, in terms of the presidency. It's part of the reason why I happen to like Bob Corker and Lamar Alexander. I, they, they don't give you bumper sticker answers. I like those guys. I think they're both very serious people that really try to do something. Uh, um, and I think that they, I think we got to figure out how to reward politicians that don't try to talk down to us or just give us simple bumper sticker answers because it's complicated stuff. It's not easy. So let me put this out there and we'll, we'll, start this conversation and we'll pick it up next week um you know you could take one of the things that's being discussed right now is how do you why should a lender be penalized for what a consumer does after they purchase their home because a lender can be there there can be things that get drug up three four five six years down the road that the lender can still be penalized for and be forced to purchase that loan back, be which is balance. insane. It's be it is balanced, but I, I think I think things have gone a little out of whack on that front. I, mean, I think they look at the the lender as a counselor and a guidance of somebody to be able to almost think for the consumer a lot of times because they don't have a lot of experience in that arena. But right, let me stop you there, though. Let's say we just made you a loan, and then help you. and then you turn around. And you go to Home quit Depot. Quit my job. Or you quit your job. You go to Home Depot. You go to Lowe's. Charge up my credit card. You charge up your credit cards and you default. How is that? We we qualified you at that time and date when you purchased a loan without that debt. Now, all of a sudden, you took on other debt. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is this is a huge it's complex. It's, it's a huge complex problem, and it probably goes all the way down to the point that my son in high school doesn't get <laughs> financial education from the very beginning about physical exactly. responsibility from the very beginning because we're in a culture where it's a instant gratification yes. culture, yes. and you see that new house and you want it, you see that new car and you want it. How do you f- how do you fix that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, hey, it's been a it's been a deep but a very good show. Next week we're going to get into uh, slaying the home buying myths, and then also talking about your ability to repay, which gets into this whole conversation and just you know keeps on going into what you're hearing about in the news and helping you understand it and breaking it down, hopefully, to where you can you know digest it. Also, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. You guys have a great weekend. We're out.